0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra as always with James from Gunno Block. James, good morning to you. Good morning,
2: Andrew. How are
1: you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Nothing strange, nothing startling. Had a fairly fairly quiet weekend. As I just said to you, no drama, no hassles, no, no anything beyond good weather, some nice food and a, a few glasses of wine. How about you?
2: I, I will just ask, Andrew, because obviously there was some drama last week. Um, at Being Ramos on
1: Twitter asked the wallet, did you find it? No. No. I have looked everywhere. Every possible place, I think it could be. I've been in touch with the, you know, the um, the lost and found, uh, various uh, police the stations. Chief of police. Chief of police was on it. They can't find it. Um, nothing was handed in. Still, nobody is, you know, tapping my cards to to take my money. So I don't know where it is. I'm going to have to bite the bullet and find it by the most horrendous way possible by cancelling all of my cards and then immediately finding the wallet. That's that's where we are with that one, unfortunately. Okay. I,
2: I am sort of impressed by how casual you are about the whole affair. Really? You know, well, I, I the mean, cards, are st- cards are still out there and you're like, yeah, maybe I'll cancel them. Maybe I'll let someone have a little treat on my dime. Yeah, but the
1: thing Why is not? the thing is I can see on my banking app if somebody taps, you know, you get a notification or if you, you know, um and and the actual cancelling of the cards itself is not that big of a deal um, for my personal cards, right? That's fine. I can just get new cards and, you know, it's a bit inconvenient. Why I've been delaying is that I have a a company credit card which mm-hmm. Basically pays for everything that arse blog uses, all the hosting, all the services, you know, uh, all the various bits and bobs that, that have accumulated down the years with the site, and they're all set up on that card. So if I cancel the card, I'm going to have to reset up all of those payments, which is going to be a major pain in the arse. So that's why I've been delaying, you know?
2: Weirdly, I had to do that this week, Um, change all my direct debit, you know, to a different card because my bank, I haven't lost my wallet, surprisingly. My bank just texts me and they were like, um, hi. This is paraphrasing. Okay.
1: They don't start their text with, hi. Hi. Hi, Hi,
2: James. Uh, They were like, hi. Um we've seen some sort of suspicious activity on your card so we're sending you a new one that will replace your old one. Uh and I called them up and I was like what what Hi. what suspicious what suspicious activity? Um I was like no it was me who bought all those toilet rolls. Uh <laughs> I've not been very well. No I I, I just said what, what sort of suspicious activity? And they were like we can't tell you that I was seems like, huh?
1: very suspicious. That's more suspicious than potential suspicious activity.
2: Here we go. We found an issue with your de- – it actually does start high. Hi. Hi. We found an issue with your debit card, so we've sent you a replacement. Your old card won't work after 28 days or as soon as you lose your new one. Um, But I called them. And I was like, what do you mean? Sus- what, what, what do you mean? What have you noticed? What did they describe it as there? An issue.
1: An issue, yeah. Yeah,
2: no a, a no comment from those guys. And they were like, we've sent you a new card. You can keep using that one for 28 days, but you've got to change over.
1: That is weird. Yeah. So arbitrary. Like, at least if they said, well, you know, somebody tried to buy body parts from the dark web. You go, okay, that seems I like think, a, good re- yeah. a good reason, but- Also like,
2: why 28 days? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you've got to change it, surely we've got to change it now. Not like we think something's bad happened, but we reckon it will take the criminals around a month to get around to actually spending <laughs> the money.
1: Maybe that's what's happening to you. Could be. They're just sitting on it now, you know, lulling me into a false sense of security.
2: Anyway, I've changed
1: all the cards over. What so, a pain in the hoop. Yeah, a well,
2: real pain in the hoop. You've got all that fun to come. What about Sofa Glastonbury? Did you enjoy Glastonbury from the from the relative peace and structured building that is your home
1: i did i did yeah thankfully not in a field not camping not having to travel anywhere or queue for toilets none of that i really want to go andrew
2: i've never been i i I I couldn't
1: i couldn't i just couldn't it's too big there's too many people and i just no i couldn't i couldn't i need i i can't sleep in a tent at this point in my life i just can't i refuse yeah i I know what you mean
2: i i say i want to go my dream is to go in like one of the yurt type things you know where it's like slightly more civilized i think what i have to do is get on the bill that's it i have to like you know they need to book me to sing um magpies forever on the pyramid stage for sure and then i can stay in like the plush performers area that's the dream (laughs)
1: We, we've we got to make that happen. We have to make that happen. Yeah, no, I enjoyed some of it. Uh, some of it, not so much. Um, but that's music for you, isn't it? A very subjective thing that some people, you know, uh, float your boat. Others don't. But, yeah, no, it was good. Saturday night in particular, I watched quite a bit of it and watched uh, Left Field and Fat Boy Slim and... Uh, uh, a few others. It was really good. What about you? Did you get um did you go all in on Elton? I didn't watch Elton, John. I watched like a little bit of it and went nah.
2: I did watch Elton, I have to say, I thought right. it was, I I really enjoyed it. Um although he didn't do any of the songs from The Lion King, to my enormous disappointment. Boo. I really hoped that two of his guests were gonna be Timon and Pumba, and he'd do Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Alas no
1: Akuna Matata. Um,
2: it was a, it was good set though, mm. and yeah, I, I, it was great. I think maybe, maybe it is best just watching it on telly. But because I've never done it, the itch is there.
1: Well, I mean, what you have to think about is the, the Monday. Don't think I, about the I, weekend. Yeah, I was
2: thinking about that. I was thinking, imagine how. I mean, my sister's there. For all intents and purposes, she's she's effectively could be classified as dead for the next week. I would imagine.
1: Mm. By the time you Uh, eventually get out, you know, you take your camp uh, tent apart and pack up your stuff, and then queue to get out. I presume it takes fucking ages to get anywhere.
2: No. Hopefully, you're still sort of mashed enough that you you (laughs) you don't even know you're in a queue. That's the only way to survive that Monday, I imagine.
1: Oh, I guess so. I guess so. Listen, we have a very important point to bring up. Um, one that I think we, we're we going to have to discuss actually quite seriously. Sorry to change the mood.
2: Oh, sorry. Okay.
1: No, but um, did you listen to the Arsenal Vision podcast?
2: I Actually, Andrew, um, I have not had a chance to listen yet, but I've been alerted mm. to some uh, copyright infringement. Is Absolutely. that correct? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And copyright infringement with gusto. With really? gusto. Like Paul's gone all in on let's do this. All in. Oh, wow.
2: To be fair, he's only human. We're all getting caught
1: up in the magic of this movement. Do, do, I think, you know, there could be something positive from this, right? Because when, when, you, maybe you don't remember. No, how would you remember? But when Billy Levi. Invented the jeans. Mm. That was an amazing thing. But would jeans have become quite as popular if Bob Wrangler hadn't come along and also made jeans? So this is You're maybe right. just Paul trying to get it further out there into the into the consciousness of the people.
2: And can I say,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: sure, this may sound somewhat messianic, you know, um, <laughs> but. I I see it as my gift to the world, so I'm not uh, from henceforth. I will not be imposing uh, copyright restrictions. I see Les do this as like my legacy okay. that I've given to the people for them to do with what they will. <laughs> I actually had an email. Can I read a quick email? Yes, Some correspondence? Of Yes, it's from Richard Buffy Dunton. It wasn't an email; it was a DM on Instagram. But let's okay. pretend. No one sends emails anymore. Hey, man. Hi. He says,
0: "Hi, hi."
2: Not sure if you might remember me from Ted Lasso, clang. Um, but hopefully, this message will get to you. I was the camera operator, Arsenal enthusiast. I do remember him. Right, lovely man. I was filming a commercial this week with none other than Yaya Toure. He was a true gentleman and a pleasure to work with. The premise of the shoot was that he would take a free kick then say something to camera and look cool. The thing that made this shoot amazing was every time he was told the camera was rolling before his free kick, he would exclaim, let's do this. <laughs> it was amazing. All I could think about was your phrase. And I, now I think, yaya I might have stolen it off you. It's not theft, Richard. As I say, it's mm. my gift unto the people. Um, and thank you for all the amazing podcasts. Sure, but there you go. It's reached the upper echelons of the football world, Yaya Toure, no
1: yeah, less. Yes. Yeah. Yaya Toure. Yes,
2: that's is, that the, how you, is that how, how you... he now wishes to be known?
1: Yaya Toure, not Yaya Toure. But no, Toure. I'm, I'm
2: going with Yaya Toure. Hip hip, to rhyme with hip hip hooray for okay. Yaya Toure.
1: Yaya Toure. Kolo, is Colo Toure or is he just Colo Toure?
2: Um, weirdly, he's sticking with Colo Toure. Right. Yeah, it's a family divide. It's a civil war within the Toure, sorry, Toure's. Toure's, Toure, yeah. Um, Toure or not Toure, you know? This
1: is the question.
2: Anyway, Yaya's on board is what we're getting from this.
1: Well, clearly, clearly, and we didn't know up to this point that he was such a dedicated listener. So hello to you, Yaya, and please don't don't fall out too badly with Colo. You know, you've only got one brother. No, he's maybe he's got more brothers. I don't know. More or
2: less good at football though. Yeah. In fact, I think they had another one who was a pro, you know, Um, Right. but, um, I've got a segue into actual football from there. Beautiful. Do it. I watched a video with Declan Rice being surprised by Yaya Torre at his house. Um, not like a prank.
1: Hang on, what's it, it just repeat that please because I heard the words but I didn't they didn't go in. You know, they sort of deflected off the front of my skull.
2: Yeah, I watched a video mm-hmm. with Declan Rice sure. being surprised by Yaya Touré at his home.
1: So w- was Yaya Touré He was in the shower
2: like Colo <laughs> in that picture away from way back
0: when.
1: But but was hang on, was Yaya Touré in Declan Rice's home or was Declan Rice in his own home? and found out something surprising about Yaya Touré.
2: So, Declan Rice was in his own home doing oh. a video about all the shirts that he's kept from games. He's got like a little ah. uh, office with them all up on the wall, you know. Sure. And on display. And then suddenly out of a cupboard or something, <laughs> Hip Hip Parade, it's Yaya Touré.
1: I mean, it's got to be a big fucking cupboard, you know, he's not a small guy. He's huge. But anyway, he he pops out,
2: and Declan Rice can't believe it. He's like, "What's Yaya Toure doing in my home? I how, didn't consent to this.
1: How, how did he get in here?
2: Yeah, how long he signed has a he release form. It's too late by this point. <laughs> and 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 Yaya's there. He's destroying everything. He's just going around smashing stuff. He takes all the shirts off the wall, breaks them over his knee, the frames, and he eats all the football shirts. And Declan's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he, it ends with Declan on his knees. He's like crying, and Yaya Toure has got—he's uh, got an iron. Uh, it's a an Eden Hazard Chelsea shirt, and he's like eat, like he's eating it, and all the letters <laughs> and numbers are getting stuck in his teeth, and he's spitting them out.
1: <laughs> Can I ask you a serious question about this? And he
2: just cuts there. That's the right. end. Yeah, ask me a serious
1: question. Yeah. Do Do you think that this might make? Arsenal's move for Declan Rice more complicated because this is a fairly traumatic thing he's experienced. He might need some time to, to get over it. I was
2: watching it. Um, (laughs) So what actually happens in the video is that, ah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yaya Toure comes out and Declan Rice goes, Oh my God, it's Yaya Toure in my house. Right. And, um, they have a chat and Declan says how much he likes him as a player and he modelled bits of his game on him. He's one of his heroes. Mm. And I'm a bit like, oh, I don't like this. Because obviously it's yeah. good for Man City. And then they go around all the shirts and he's got different sections for each club. And they get to the Man City section Uh-oh. and he's got like six Man City shirts up there. And it's like... He's got Silva, he's got De Bruyne, he's got Aguero. And he's like, yeah, this is the Man City section. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Why didn't he you know, just smash everything and eat all the shirts? Before he had Could a chance. <laughs> he's got a little Arsenal section as well, but it's not as big as his
1: section. Who's he got? Who's he got? Shamak?
2: Uh, yeah, he's got a Shamak. Andre Santos. Weirdly.
1: Andre Santos. Um, That's where my Andre Santos shirt went.
2: He's got Guillaume warmers. <laughs> for- <laughs> <laughs> Goalkeeper who never played for us. Um, I don't know, let's actually have a look because obviously this is the this, this sort of topic of the summer. Sure. I mean, yeah, look, even the headline upset. Yaya Toure surprises his biggest fan, Declan Rice.
1: His biggest fan.
2: I know, right? Mm. It, it, I'm not saying it is the deciding factor in the transfer saga. <laughs> I'm just saying it might be one. So, look, he's got Kun Aguero. He's got Phil Foden's shirt on the wall. Hmm. And then at the end, he gets round
1: to Arsenal. Wilshire. Okay, yeah, of course. He's got like an old, oh, he's got Ian Wright. Okay, that's a good one. I mean, I think one Ian Wright is worth definitely a collection of Man City silvers.
2: Yeah, he's got some. He's got Joe Hart up there, right? Um, Pogba, Lukaku. I think it might just be Wright and Wilshire. Okay. <laughs> so, aggregators. What I'm saying is, the deal could fall down for Arsenal because. Declan Rice has too many Man City shirts on, on display in his house to make me feel comfortable, and also because Yaya Toure didn't eat any of them.
1: And wasn't Yaya Toure's shirt number 42? Yeah. Declan Rice wears 41 for West Ham. Yeah. Come on. I mean... It's but, a fate accompli. It's over, isn't it?
2: It's done. It's over. It's been, it's we over. had a good run. Um... How are you feeling about Declan Rice?
1: I mean, same as I felt last week when nothing happened, you know? Yeah. Like nothing has happened since that second bid. Nothing that we're aware of anyway. Maybe some things have been happening behind the scenes, but, you know, I have no new information to go on. Uh, So I'm waiting now until West Ham leaks some more information.
2: Yeah, I think there's definitely not been an offer from either club uh, since, uh, you know, the ones we know about, as you say. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there probably has been some dialogue on the Man City side. I don't know about the Arsenal side. Um, As they kind of feel around the situation. Mm. Um, But surely this week we're going to see some acceleration yes and movement I, I think you know part of this is probably Arsenal not wanting to be not wanting West Ham to have too much control in the situation you know if you keep coming back with a new bid every day um West Ham will feel even more uh sort of bullish in their position than they already do Um mm. but sooner or later <laughs> you have got to come back with a bid
1: yeah for sure for sure. Um... And I
2: honestly have no idea which way it will go. Like, I know there was a lot of chat on social media I saw about, you know, Arsenal fans feeling pretty confident. Um, some of the noise out of West Ham sound quite positive. Uh, but uh, I would be staggered if at any point in this process, Declan Rice turned, down to Man- turned round to Man City rather and said... I am not remotely interested. I will have no dialogue with you about this prospect.
1: Yeah, Declan Rice calling up Pep. Hi. 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 Uh, yeah. uh, just don't I know about your money and your trophies, but... Uh, yeah, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I've got a Jack Wilshire shirt on my wall. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, look, I, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a temptation for Declan Rice. That is for sure. I suppose well, what we have to... What we have to hope or or put some faith in is that the groundwork that Arsenal have done to this point, and the conversations that the player will undoubtedly have had with Mikel Arteta about his role at the club—not just you know where he's going to play, but but what what sort of vision he has for him, because this is potentially you know Declan Rice's last move. You know, this is this is the kind of investment you make in a player where you know you want them to be part of your team for for years to come right so i'm not mm-hmm. saying at 31 or 30 or something he might consider going somewhere else but you know this is a big decision for him um you know and the 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 fact is that when you are in direct competition for a player with manchester city you do probably have your work cut out for you a little bit you know
2: just a bit yeah i mean <sighs> I, obviously, I hope he remains committed to Arsenal as, as his preference and his choice. But oh. if he doesn't, um, I think it would be quite understandable, given that it's City. And as, as compelling a figure as Mikel Arteta is, if there's a more compelling manager in world football, it's probably Pep, um, mm. the, the sorcerer to the apprentice, as it were. I really hope he chooses Arsenal because... Weirdly, I think City's interest kind of makes me feel quite um, sanguine in a way, because if they get him, I do kind of feel like there's very little Arsenal can do about that. I'm sure that's not how it will be received online. (laughs) But if the richest, well, one of the richest clubs in the world who just won the treble uh, want to sign a player then the extreme likelihood, I think, is that they get them. You know, it's very difficult for mm. anybody to
1: win that fight. Um, yeah, I mean, the argument or the the point uh, people might make online in a very, I'm sure, sensible and understated fashion will be that Arsenal could have, you know, they could have pushed through this bid a bit earlier or they could have pushed harder made a bigger bid. West Ham accept the bid and they don't give Declan Rice time to think about Manchester City, which, you know, I don't think is really realistic because the moment Arsenal agreed something with West Ham, Man City would be there anyway. You know what I mean? The earlier we do it, the earlier they come in. I think their interest is is longstanding. I don't think it's a recent thing. So, you know, th- that is the competition that we face. You know, yeah. even I- if we had agreed everything, there's still a decision for Declan Rice to make because a West Ham or sorry, Man City will, will match whatever Arsenal are offering and will, you know, in all likelihood Manchester City can offer more favorable terms to West Ham in terms of paying the transfer fee than Arsenal can, right? Because they're much more liquid and then B, they can make an offer to the player as well. So, when arsenal do things isn't really the problem that we have it's who we're doing it against
2: yes i think so you know city have the potential to gazump anybody in a situation like this they don't always because they're quite disciplined i think relatively uh in how they approach the market but it's part of the appeal of this deal for them must be not only do we get a good player Uh, albeit one who the fit is slightly less obvious than it is at Arsenal. Mm. Um, But we also prevent our most immediate rival from the last season securing their star signing. Uh, Doubtless that may be a factor in their thinking. But as I say, on the one hand, if we don't get him, it will be very, very disappointing and it will be a big problem for us. Mm -hmm. But I will sort of shrug my shoulders slightly at it and say, well, that's Man City. Mm. Um, But if we do get him, I think it's huge. On the other side of the coin, Mm -hmm. if we can persuade any player, but particularly this player, that his future prospects are better served uh, at the Emirates Stadium than at the Etihad, I think psychologically um and in terms of sort of where the club is at this point in time that mm. would be a massive
1: massive massive thing i agree i agree uh, on both counts um it is now just a matter of waiting to see what happens i think there are compelling arguments that arsenal can make to declan rice about like i said his role in the team his stature at the club mm-hmm. you know how he can develop um i'm not saying they're going to man city would be Uh, anything other than a success for Declan Rice, I'm sure. Um, You know, Pep Guardiola is somebody who can develop players uh, very well. As we know, we saw perhaps this season, uh, Jack Grealish do more than people had expected after his first season at Man City, where I think there was a lot for him to learn. I think there is still a lot for Declan Rice to learn. So it is going to be... I guess we're on tenterhooks, aren't we, until such time as we get a bit more information about what's what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, and even then, you know, a, a club may find an agreement with West Ham, but then, as you say, I'm sure West Ham would be open to another club matching that. Um, mm-hmm. I suspect they'd probably rather sell to the... Non-London club. It's weird, isn't it? I, I, West Ham fans, I think, would much rather see him go to City than play for Arsenal. And I get the sense most neutrals want that as well. In much the same way as most neutrals, many neutrals seem to want our, uh, City to win the title because it's just another trophy. It's almost like, well, they might as well have Declan Rice because the yeah. City, he'll be just another player. Um, it sort of it ceases to mean anything, as we've discussed previously. Um, but I, yeah, I really, really, really hope... That Arsenal can pull this off, yeah. Uh, it, it, but it's
1: it's going to be tricky. I think it's going to be tricky. Okay, there's the line for the aggregators. <laughs> Declan Rice deal tricky.
2: Yeah, I mean it's possible. It's possible. And of course, and I yeah. But I just think we're up against uh, quite the quite the opposition.
1: Mm. One player who is going to arrive, that is for sure, is is Kai Havertz, who had his medical mm-hmm. over the weekend. And I believe that could be announced um, pretty early this week. Don't think today, but in the coming days, I think that will be official. Do you think there has been some kind of um, coming to terms with the Kai Havertz capture now? Maybe. I mean, um, the re-
2: there was a report in The Athletic that spoke about how he might be used next season. and yeah. Uh, I have also had the same thing separately, which was contrary to my uh, my original impression. You know, my guess, uh, which is that Mikel Arteta wants to try and use him in midfield.
1: Um, I mean, that does make sense when you said last week the Granite Xhaka that we need to replace is the Granite Xhaka who got goals and assists. Yeah, so that's on true. that basis, you know, somebody with the profile of Havertz. Um, make sense in that position. And again, you know, it's one of those where we think of Granit Xhaka in that position and think that's the only way that that position can be, or that's how we define that position in our minds, right? But I think people have been thinking over the the period where Granit Xhaka has been playing more more advanced, that, you know, if you got a different profile of player in there, you could get more uh, in terms of end products. Now, look, I think what Shaka did last season in terms of his end product was, was fantastic. It was nine goals, seven assists, and probably should have had a few more along the way. But that is, you know, that is what we're trying to replace. um, Assuming that his departure actually happens. Everything, it feels like everything is waiting on, on Declan Rice, you know, Shaka and all the moving parts. It's a bit of a jigsaw, but I do think that, you know, based on what uh, it was Liam Toomey, wasn't it, in the Athletic, he's the Chelsea mm-hmm. guy, you know, what he had put together was very interesting and and you know, I I am open to being convinced. You know, when I when I thought about it first, I was a bit mm. but here we are, he's going to be our player and uh you know, I I want him to be a success obviously because if if he is it's good for Arsenal. So, if that's the role that he has been earmarked for, it's, um, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah,
2: and obviously that's a starting eleven place, which I think makes sense at the kind of figures we're reading in terms of salary and mm. transfer fee. We're not quite in a position where we spend that on a player to um, sit on the bench or play the cup games. And it's, it feels like a real wild card, to be honest. It's very, very hard for anybody to say how that's going to work. And it's a considered punt from uh <laughs> Mikel Arteta but I think his his transfer gambles have been among his most successful deals you know mm. players who have been very widely questioned have come into the club and typically uh exceeded expectations so mm. I trust his judgment and I'm fascinated to see this it's one of those things that we're all going to be watching in pre-season And we are going to have Kai Havertz in pre-season, it seems, with this deal close to being tied up. Um, We're all going to be watching and seeing how he quits himself in that role. It's going to be fascinating, I think.
1: It will be. It will be. I mean, you can only glean so much from pre-season because players... True. um, You know, players are sort of in and out. I mean, what will be, I think, particularly interesting will be the team for the Community Shield that will be a really interesting team because, you know, throughout preseason, we're playing some good teams. Obviously we're playing Manchester United, we're playing Barcelona, um, but there is an element of getting players ready and managing minutes and, you know, making a lot of changes during games. These are essentially um, fitness exercises, exhibition games that we're going to be playing. But I think when it comes to the community shield, his team lineup for that and what way we're, what kind of shape we play in? Because it is interesting to think, you know, if we continue with the Zinchenko in midfield type system, what impact does that have on somebody who might be just a little less defensively secure than than Granit Xhaka in that position? I know Xhaka wasn't asked to do a great deal of defending, but at the same time. You know, he was a, a strong guy in there. Does that sort of tilt the balance a little bit the other way? You know, how do we set up maybe to offset that? I think it will be really, really interesting to see what happens.
2: Definitely. Definitely. I'm very curious about all that.
1: What um, about um the lad from Ajax, Jurian Timber? Timber. Timber. Are you aware of the song by Pitbull, Timber? I... You know what? I've seen people mention it, but I try as much as possible to avoid Pitbull on, sure. uh, you know, in, in every context, in every walk of life. I think that's, that's a, a mantra that I try and live by minimum Pitbull. And I'm talking about the artist. I love the dogs, but minimum Pitbull. So I don't know that song. Is, okay. it,
2: is it, it's a chant waiting to happen right. is all I'm saying. Okay. Um, Yes, well, I read this morning Fabrizio's update saying second bid has gone in. Mm. Um, I think that might be a touch premature, but I think it's very much headed in that direction because uh, basically the clubs have been in constructive dialogue and uh, I think it's moving towards a conclusion. But whether that is in writing yet as an offer... Uh, I'm not so sure. But right. I think uh, the, the indications are that it is going to get there. Um, at what number precisely? I don't know, but it looks like it's, mm. it looks like he will join. Which uh, I, I think I'm really excited about this player. Really, really excited. It's it's often, you know, we're linked with a player and I say, well, I don't really know a lot about them or um You know, I hold my hands up sometimes. I've got no clue or have to go and do my research. But I have seen a bit of Timber, and read a bit about Timber because he was linked very closely with Man U last season, Mm. last summer. And I think he's a really, 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 really interesting player and perfect for the way Arteta wants to play.
1: Sort of the versatility, the ability to play centre-half, the the ability to play right back. You know, what else? The physical aspects of his game? It's His quality on the ball, Mm. his
2: um, passing is just outstanding. He's a real technical player, very, very comfortable in possession, taking it off the goalkeeper, playing out. Um, I think he can do that from right back, centre back. He could do it at a push and hold him in field. I've got no doubt about that. I I think even as a kid, he had played at left back once or twice. Uh, I don't think he'd call it his position or anything like it, but... Mm. He gives you an option, and he's just a classic, like Ajax defender. You know, someone who could play in any part of the pitch. Um, And and I think United wanted him with very good reason. I think they wanted him ahead of Lissandro Martinez, to be honest. Um, But he wasn't really for sale. I think if Arsenal get him, it's a coup. I I think that he is good enough that, as much as we love our. Back four, it would not surprise me if by the end of next season he was in the best eleven. Um, wow, I think he, I think, I think he's that good.
1: Wow, wow, so, wow. Okay,
2: but famous last words. I mean, you know, it'll probably turn out to be Stepanov's mark too. After all that, so
1: we'll see. <laughs> well, no, an interesting signing for sure. And you know, let's imagine we do get Rice done and we get. Uh Havertz done, you know, I, I'm making the assumption, uh, a hopeful assumption, maybe it is. But, you know, the fee for this guy is looking at, what, 45?
2: I actually want 50 million euros. I think it'll definitely end up north of 50, 40. And maybe it will be, you know, add-ons um, mm. that will take it to around that figure. Uh Who knows what will actually ultimately end up paying for him. But it's, it's, a, it's a lot of money,
0: you know. I mean,
1: it would, you know put the summer spending on three players in the region of 200 million. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a significant amount of money on just three players, especially when, you know, we keep talking about depth and, and that kind of stuff. So do you think they're looking at these three deals as a kind of, you know, a little holy Trinity to get the the summer started Get Havertz in, get Rice in, get um, I was gonna, I was gonna call him Pitbull uh, Timber. <laughs> get him in, and then you know, stop, collaborate, and listen, and then move on. You know, to uh, to maybe moving some players out, generating a bit more money, which might then allow you to add a couple more a little later in the summer, perhaps.
2: Yeah, I've talked about this idea before, but I think Arsenal's summers almost tend to happen in waves. So there'll be a kind of first wave of recruitment, which will be the priority deals or the deals you can get done at that time. Mm. Uh, And we'll spend what we have effectively, which seems to be quite a lot of money. Um, And then there may be a a second wave later in the window, which might be contingent on certain departures.
0: Mm.
2: And I think we might see something similar, but uh, you know, I, I don't take anything for granted with... Right. So, or even with Timber until it's done, it's not done, you know, but it it would be a pretty emphatic uh, and impressive start to the window, I think. And, you know, it would be three key targets um, tied up. So I I, I really hope Arsenal can do that. Crucially, it would also mean getting those players in, in proper time ahead Mm. of pre-season, which I think with the midfield, is probably critically important. Like, if we are going to lose Shaka, and if we are, are potentially going to lose Thomas Partey as well, and we are going to ask Rice and Havertz and Odegaard to play together, mm. I honestly think every day of training in a, in advance of the season is valuable, that we can have them there.
1: I think that's, uh, yeah, really important. So let's hope that, you
2: know, these things can be sorted one way or the other uh, soon.
1: I mean that's kind of it in terms of, you know, what's going on in the transfer market. There aren't really too many links about players going out at this point. Few little no. whispers about Premier League clubs being interested in Eddie and Kedia. But beyond that, it's it's fairly quiet, isn't it? Beyond the, the sort of stuff that, that came up last week about parte, you know, Saudi Arabia and Italy and those kinds of things. You know, there really isn't a lot stirring. Um, which I don't know if it's good or bad or what. Um,
2: no, it it is pretty quiet other than that. Um, but, you know, uh, on the incomings front, they've obviously got their hands full. The outgoings, we shall see. I mean, you know, I would expect a lot of these players, especially the players who you'd kind of describe as uh, ones not in the first team plans, I would expect their departures to be later on in the summer, probably when, mm. when clubs will feel like they might be able to, you know, cut a deal.
1: Um, I see um, stories linking Raul Senyahi to Everton. So maybe he could. Uh, wow. I have not seen that. He could poach a few of ours, you know, for good. Some- well, listen, Nicholas Pepe, Pepe. spare reunited. 72 million quid. I've got a few ideas. <laughs> um, Right. Well, will we we'll take a little break here because we'll do some questions? I think there are a lot of Rice questions, but I think we've covered that as much as possible. So maybe we'll scratch around for some for some other uh, topics of conversation and do that in part two.
2: Okay. I think I've got an angle on. Uh, I think I've got a Rice question, which is a slightly different perspective. So okay. Fans of Declan Rice do stick around.
1: <laughs> stick around. All right. We'll uh, we'll be back with part two right after this. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Arse Cast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at ArsBlog. Also on the ArsBlog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an ArsBlog member on Patreon. And just to let people know, throughout the summer, uh, every time we make a new signing, we'll have a new podcast for you exclusively over there on Patreon. So if you want the lowdown on any of the signings that we make, you can join us for that patreon.com forward slash ArsBlog. Okay. Let's have a question, James.
2: Okay. Um, this is from Lala Klax on the Discord. And they ask, goodly morning, gents. How big do you think Shaka's impact will be if, when he leaves, for what he offers on and off the pitch? I know Odegaard is the club captain, but it still feels very much like Shaka is the player's captain. Are we just casually brushing over him leaving because of the new shiny thing we may get?
1: No, I mean, I can see, I think I've said this to you before that I think the Declan Rice pursuit is made not just with his footballing ability in mind, but I think because of his personality, because he is a a kind of a a leader guy, isn't he? He's captain of West Mm. Ham. And I think, you know, in every football club, in every football team, there comes a moment where there needs to be a bit of an evolution, you know? Um, and sometimes the only way that can happen is for somebody to depart, for somebody to go and their influence needs, you know, might leave a bit of a vacuum, but as we know, nature abhors a vacuum and somebody always steps up. And that will be the case. I think with the departure of, of Shaka, it will hopefully allow someone like Declan Rice to come in and, and, you know, be a big personality in the dressing room, but I also think people like uh, Zinchenko, people like Gabriel Jesus, like Martin Odegaard, and I think maybe even someone like Bakayo Saka, you know, who's only 21 and doing incredible things on the pitch, but I think there's a strength of character that we've seen throughout Bakayo Saka's short career that lends itself to being part of that group. You know, and I think some of that will come with just maturity. You know, at 21, not everyone is a Tony Adams, right? Um, Right. It it takes you a little while to grow into that. So, look, I I think uh, one of the things people have always said about Shaq is that within the dressing room, he is this force of personality. Um, I think a lot of the players respected and admired him, um, but I don't think it's you know a terminal issue if he goes because ultimately other people will step up and you you just have to hope that they're the right people and they've got the right personalities to do it
2: yeah absolutely i think we will i think we will miss shaka i think sometimes the fact that we um have spent so many summers kind of wondering if we might move on from him and in a lot of cases wanting to move on from him mm-hmm. means that we collectively we probably I, I am. s I think we have. We sort of accept his departure. Maybe like a little bit too easily. It's like I said. I think it was last week or the week before. I was like, we should be getting more money for this guy. Like he's he's really good.
1: Yeah. No. No. I <laughs> um, agree. I agree. I, I, I wasn't trying to gloss over it, but I just you know we've we've already had the conversation about why yeah it's happening. So I don't need to, to rehash that for anybody. I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm just trying to say that while we might miss him and probably will miss him you know football football teams need to evolve and another aspect of of what we have or haven't done quite as well as you might like in recent years is is knowing the right time for a player to move on where it's still it still hurts a little bit rather than you're sitting there going god I wish This guy would just go now. I wish you could just replace him. And I, you know, again, that's not about Shaka specifically, that you can hang on too long, you know?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're right. Evolution is key. And I I think this probably is the right time. But I, football commentary and analysis being what it is, I'd say it's fairly certain there'll be a point next season where Arsenal lose a game and somebody somewhere writes, you know, do they miss Shaka? I think that's inevitable, <laughs> right? That's how it goes. Um, whether or not that will be true is much harder to say. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I recall when even when David Louise left having conversations and chatting on podcasts and uh, getting questions and people saying, like, will we miss his presence in the dressing room? Will we miss his, miss his leadership? And it didn't feel like a, a, a ludicrous point to make at the time. But, you know, with hindsight, it's not really something we've ever particularly felt, particularly keenly. No. Um, So, yeah, I think dressing rooms evolve and change. And I think there are enough personalities to fill that gap that Shaka will leave.
0: Mm. I think
2: think the most interesting, the most critical aspect will be replacing just his quality on the pitch. He was very, very good last season. And pretty good the season
1: before that as well. Mm-hmm. Very consistent, always available. That's a big point. You know, The yeah. he had, what, one, maybe one injury absence in his six or seven years with the club that, that was maybe, I think they said three months and he was back in two months because he yeah. just machined it on the training ground and the medical room and drank all the stem cells or unicorn <laughs> placenta he could get his hands on and um yeah
2: so yeah but that yeah that will be interesting as well but um i think it, it, it is the right time it is a step past enough to say otherwise you end up like liverpool i think who kind of clung to their midfield mm. for slightly too long mm-hmm. and didn't evolve and now find themselves in a position this summer where they're having to do a huge rebuild on it
1: yep exactly okay here's one from glasgow gunner who's at gunner glasgow On Twitter, he said, would Kieran Tierney staying at the club be the best thing for the squad or has it come to the point where he's so frustrated at a lack of game time that he has to go to protect squad harmony? Lack of left back links suggest him staying is a real possibility.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I think that there's still a long way to go in the summer. And just because Kieran Tierney hasn't left or doesn't appear to be on the cusp of leaving, my strong feeling is that he probably still will. Mm. Um, It's early days and, you know, Arsenal probably have a pretty tasty asking price on Kieran Tierney. And just like we aren't battering the door down with West Ham because we don't want them to feel too in control of the situation, Newcastle may be taking the same approach with us and... Um, there's a lot of game playing in this part of the window. Mm. You know, I was fascinated by some of the stories that have been coming out of Man United this week. You know, they put in there, I don't know if you saw this, but they put in an offer for Mason Mount. Yeah. And it was rejected by Chelsea, who counter-offered, suggested a compromise. And then the next day, um, there's all these stories saying United are pursuing Caicedo now. I'm frankly not even sure they can afford until a takeover goes through. But, you know, I, I think there is a bit of that happening, right? There's, you know, clubs not entirely wanting to show their hands still. We're still in June. The window's been formally open for a couple of weeks. And I think, I think that may be what's going on with Tierney. I don't even think that signing a right-back in Timber would necessarily preclude his departure because... As we've talked about here before, I think you could use Tomiyasu as a left-back. You could use Kivior as a left-back. And also, it may be that they do intend to bring in a left-back, but they're just not going to do it until they've sold Kieran Tierney. Mm. Um, I mean, as for the point of, like, would he disrupt squad morale? I mean, ultimately, it's just about the wishes of the player, isn't it? If he doesn't want to be there, then I think you I think you probably do sell him. Hmm. What do you think?
1: You don't want unhappy players. And I'm not saying Definitely. Kieran Tierney is like an agitator or anything like that. But ultimately, if he's frustrated with his situation and isn't playing as much as he would like, he's going to be unhappy and you don't want unhappy players. Um, It's what's on offer to him as well, I suppose. Who's after him? Who's, who's trying to buy him? Uh, there was a lot of talk about Newcastle, but that seems to have gone pretty quiet. So... Mm-hmm. It would really depend on the offer. Like I don't see Kieran Tierney moving any further away from Scotland. You know, I think he wants to get closer. Um, So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I'm sort of with you in that I wouldn't be completely surprised if Kieran Tierney was sold and we didn't sign another left back. Because we we've seen him use Kivior there, we have seen him use Tommy Asu there, we have Zinchenko. Um, so I think that might be potentially the the cover in in that situation. So yeah, there's a long way to go in the window, and just uh, everything seems to be hyper focused on the incomings, as we spoke about in in part one and the the one big deal in particular. Um beyond that we'll just have to wait and see you know what happens um I wouldn't be against him staying but I do think you know we talked about football teams and dressing rooms evolving and I think maybe this Arsenal team evolved a little beyond Kieran Tierney we don't really play with a a traditional left back anymore Uh, you know it's not to be Critical of tyranny, it's just the way that the team is operating right now. Let me ask you this because we did have a question. We're sort of talking about him a bit as well. Damien Omondi Okeo on uh, Twitter. He's at Major do- Major Demo rather on Twitter. He says on Tomiyasu, too good mm. to play second fiddle, but too fragile to be relied upon throughout the entirety of the season. What do you think will happen with him? What do you think should happen with him? Well, I think
2: I've often described him as the fifth man in the back four. Mm. You know, someone who could play in any one of those positions pretty reliably. Um, I think fitness is just his issue. I know he was unlucky with this particular injury, um, but he, he desperately needs to stay fit. And, you know, as we were talking then, I was thinking, well, if Kieran Tierney does stay, it's sort of hard to see where Tomiyasu gets a great deal of game time. Mm. Uh, unless, as Arteta has done previously, he picks him over Tierney, you know, as the kind of alternative left-back. Mm-hmm. Um, but Timber's coming in, who's ostensibly primarily a right-back. Ben White now, I think, primarily a right-back. Uh they eat substantially into Tomiyasu's potential opportunities. So, yeah, I, I think it, obviously you can play centre-back as well, but we've got other options. I think one of the exciting things about Timber is that he allows you to play Ben White as a centre-back if you want. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a little bit... I, to be honest, I'm mainly sad for Tomiyasu because he's not done a vast amount wrong. At Arsenal, He's just been pretty unlucky with injury. And unfortunately, we were talking about Granit Xhaka and the importance of his reliability and availability. If you don't have those qualities, it can be a defining thing for your time with the club. Mm. And I really hope it doesn't prove to be for Tommy Asu.
1: I, I think he's going to still be an important piece. You know, when Arteta yeah. talks about, look, the, the fitness issues are... A bit of a worry, obviously, but, you know, players have had some bad luck with injuries and then, you know, settled down and and been available. And I hope that's the case with with Tommy Asu. But when, when Arteta talks about having, you know, he said 22 players in April and May who are fit and ready, which is a bit of a stretch, of course, but I don't see how you go into next season hoping to have a squad as deep as possible and not envisage some role for Tommy Asu within that because... You know, the versatility is off the charts, you know, because he can play right back, left back and play central, uh, center half as well, which is where he plays for, for Japan. And I think he is a really good player as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the injury issues have maybe made people forget how really good he was. Um, you know, I know the alternative at the time was, was Cedric. But, you know, when Tommy Asu came in and made that right back position his own, we were like, whoa, this guy's fucking fantastic. And then, of course, the injury kicked in in the the second part of the season. I think he was very unlucky last season just to slip and do something uh, with his knee. But I I would not consider letting him leave. I think if we want to be as... um, defensively solid as as we need to be across all the competitions that we're going to be playing in, we are going to need to probably rotate defensively a bit more than we do right now. You know, maybe we mm-hmm. go into next season as well with William Saliba needing to be managed a bit. Because That's a good of, point. You know? Um, and I don't have any information about William Saliba's injury or back or anything like that, so I'm not dropping hints. I'm just saying that, you know, he missed the last two and a half months of the season and the from what, logic, can, yeah. Yeah, from what we can gather, it's a slow process, the healing that is um taking place with, with William Saliba and this back injury. So, you know, that's something else you might have to consider, is that there are games where you maybe want to pick Saliba, but but because of how you're trying to manage the injury and keep him fit as uh, as fit as possible you have to do something a little bit different so you have Ben White you have Tommy Asu you have Timber you know you have these options available to you so for me i think he's still an important uh, an important part of the squad
2: just while we're talking about defenders i did see a question um for, uh, it was from Jan Jan Hopi Hoppy or Jan or Jan not sure but they say are you surprised at the holding links to celtic Seems like he should be looking to stay at a good upper mid-table Europa level Premier League club.
1: I mean, I think he probably will stay in the Premier League. We we had him we had a little difference, didn't we, on our, our um numbers podcast where we were guesstimating how much we might yeah. bring in and I had him down as a as a departure, and you weren't you weren't so sure. I think I would be very surprised if Rob Holding didn't go this summer. I think he's he's gonna be twenty-eight. He is further down the pecking order at Arsenal because of the new signings that we're making, because of the style of football that we play now, which I think, again, if we're talking about uh, evolution. player evolution, you know, how a team evolves and how certain skill sets become more important than others. But I, I think Rob Holding could be a good player for any number of Premier League clubs, particularly ones who have to do a little bit more backs to the wall defending, you know? I think that's kind of his strength. Um And I don't really envisage a great deal of, of game time for him at Arsenal next season beyond the series of injuries, but I don't think you can count on that. I think for his own career at this point, he should, he should make a move and maybe go somewhere and, and play more regularly, so...
2: Yeah, and and to be clear, I think if that's what he wants, I don't think Arsenal are going to stand in his way at all. I think he absolutely can go and do that. Um, I'm just looking on transfer marks. They have him down. as His contract's expiring next summer, but the club have an optional extra year.
0: Mm.
1: Um, Again, hanging on too long. When is the right time to sell? Is this not the perfect time for club and player, I think?
2: I think you're right. I think you're right. I just, on pure incident, I always just think not all these deals happen. And that's one that I think I'm less sure of. As for Celtic, I think the biggest problem for Arsenal there is that I don't think Celtic would be in a position to pay a no. big transfer fee. No. But from a player's perspective, uh, I could see it. You know, I could see that being attractive to him. Only because he's been at Arsenal pretty much his whole adult life so even when we've not been great
0: Hmm. it's
2: a big club theoretically competing for major honours um winning a few things he's got a few fa cups to his name yeah
1: that 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 2017 final with Murtisacker and uh Nacho Monreal in the three brilliant
2: and I think listen uh, we may uh Scottish football is not the the strongest league in the world but Celtic are a big club and Mm -hmm. Uh, I think playing in those old firm games, playing in the Champions League, that would all hold appeal for a player like Rob Holding. So I don't think it's completely ludicrous from his perspective. I think the issue for Arsenal is, you know, Kendrick, Celtic aren't in the business of paying out big transfer fees, basically.
1: Yeah. So I mean, he's been at Arsenal since 2016, so seven yeah. years now. Um, 162 appearances. Yeah, divide that up. I'm not good at maths. Um, well, he's had some big
2: injuries as well. Yeah, that's true. He had a cruciate,
1: didn't he? So, mm-hmm. um, So, like 23 appearances a season, averaging out, which is you know, which is not bad. But maybe he's at a point in his career where he's thinking, you know what, I want to go and I want to play week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I know he's obviously got a real connection and affection for the club and and everything else. Um, but I think there comes a point when you're a, when you're a player, you're going. I've got X amount of time left. I want to play as much as possible. And I think this yeah. this is and, the summer for that to happen for him.
2: And I and I I don't say this to sort of patronise Rob Holding at all. Um, but I sort of hope he does it for his own sake. Mm-hmm. Like I think he doesn't want his career to end, and he's been a backup for the majority of it. You know, mm. I think. He's, be- he's better than that. He deserves to play regularly somewhere. Um, and this is a good time. I agree with you for him to take that opportunity.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. Um. Here's a question from The Land on the Discord. He says, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I expect it to happen and 10 being I might faint from shock, how surprised would you be if the Smith played 2,000 minutes in all competitions and got 15 goals – and assists, like a combo, I guess, not 15 goals and 15 assists, but 15 goal involvements, I guess.
2: By the way, whenever I see little tip for future questions people, whenever they say like, do you expect this player to get 1000 minutes or 1500 minutes or 2000 minutes? (laughs) I always uh, discard the question because I don't use that terminology. So I've not really got any idea what that means. And I can't do the maths quickly enough. got to give it to me in like games you know okay but so do that sum for me 2000 divided by 90 i guess do you is, want me to what, do 22 and a bit um well he's got two goals in two games at the european under 21 championships
1: yes which we should mention really positive
2: really lovely positive. goal last night
1: uh and had one disallowed on- Did you see the disallowed one
2: no, was that a good call?
1: Uh, there was a move where he the ball came to him in the box and he backheeled it beyond the keeper from about nine or 10 yards out. Uh, nice. But it was disallowed for offside.
2: I think um, that's brilliant for him and it's perfect in some ways, this tournament. Uh, as an opportunity, I, I saw he'd been working with a one of the Arsenal staff, fitness coach, to get himself in shape for this mm-hmm. summer tournament. He's, he came off the bench in the first game, started the second. You You'd imagine he'll keep his place after a performance like the one he produced last night. England could go quite far. They've got a good team. Um, I'm really encouraged and really pleased for him after such a sort of underwhelming and season that he can kind of have this little opportunity to show his stuff. Mm. Um, And I'm sure Arsenal will be keeping a very close eye on him. In terms of would I be surprised if he reaches those numbers? I mean, I have to say I would be a bit surprised. So I'd say I'd be like a seven out of 10, probably. Mm. Simply because of the other players that he's in direct competition with. And actually, we talked about him as a candidate for the Shaka role. And I think he remains that. But buying a player for 60-odd million quid... Who you plan to have in that position uh, suggests he's going to get the majority of those minutes. So in, in Kai Havertz, and I think Kai Havertz coming in creates more competition for Emil Smith Rowe in a squad where there was already pretty stiff competition.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I
2: would probably I be an eight. What do you say?
1: Actually? I'd probably be an eight. I would be very really? not so much about the minutes, but about the the goals and assists. Like he had a brilliant season last season, but I think he ended with like 11 goals and one assist or 10 goals and one assist, you know? Um Yeah. 15 is a, is a lot, you know, it will be great. It will be great. And I think he does have the potential to do it. I think he's an end product end product player. Um, but I just think minutes will be shared. It will all depend how well he does in the cups um, in particular I think I think he'll be uh, well used in that but you know we keep talking about rotation we keep talking about depth you know it is going to be I think the, the most interesting or one of the most interesting parts of next season is is how much trust does Mikel Arteta have in his squad um, to make changes that people might say oh you're not starting Saka in this game you know the way people go, yeah. well, you've got to give Saka a rest. You've got to give him a rest. You can't play every game. And then, oh you're not starting him. What's going on? Why are you not starting Saka? So I think it's going to be about how much he trusts in the, the squad players he has. Um, I would love for Emil Smith-Rowe to play 2,000 minutes in all competitions and get 15 goals slash assists. Um, I would be surprised if that happens, but I'm I'm feeling more confident that he can really push and fight, and I think what what he's doing at the under twenty one uh, Euros is is really positive because I think that's I think that's you know Arsenal will be looking on, Mikel Arteta will be keeping a half an eye or a quarter of an eye. Um, don't slice up your eyes, Mikel, please. It was just that was <laughs> it's not worth it. No, it's not. But I think they will be keeping. He'll be keeping uh, tabs on Smith-Rowe and the fact that he's doing uh, doing things for England is, is a good thing. Can I ask you a question? Because Andrew Allen mentioned this to me this morning. Yeah. Reese Nelson, there's been a lot of talk about a new contract. Mm-hmm. Does that have to happen this week? Because he is out of contract on the 30th of June. So is that something that has to happen this week if we're thinking about uh, his future, you know, I don't think I can ever remember a player getting quite this close to the end of their deal without having signed one. And I certainly can't remember a player whose contract lapsed and then signed a contract with the club.
2: So it would be unusual for for them to allow it to lapse. Mm. Um, because we understand it is sort of agreed broadly in principle, um, but it's not—it's uh, not impossible that that it could happen that way. Like, um, interestingly, at Man U, you've got a situation with David de Gea where his contract also ends June thirtieth, I think, mm. and United are sort of hedging their bets a bit. They're in talks with him. If a takeover went through, I think ideally they'd like to buy a goalkeeper. But De Gea himself is expecting to report for pre-season training at United unless he's told otherwise, even though, theoretically, he will be out of contract. So... It's weird. Yeah. So so it was... I saw it described as they don't consider June 30th a hard deadline. They Because, you know, the parties are in talks and they... Mm are optimistic they're going to come to a conclusion. And it's possible, if Nelson and Arsenal effectively have an agreement and it's what he wants and it's what the club wants, that they could say, well, if if you're on holiday, enjoy your holiday, we'll do it next week. Um, But it would
1: be unusual.
2: It would be unusual.
1: Yeah, I have just a sneaky feeling that that this one might not happen.
2: Not based on any information. It might not actually be signed.
1: Yeah, just... Just the fact that we are approaching that deadline, I also wonder what the arrival of someone like Havertz, whether that has a, an impact on whether Reese Nelson considers this the right move for him. You know, because Havertz, we, there's a lot, a lot of talk about him playing in the in the left eight, but he does play quite a bit on the right as well. Mm-hmm. Like I think he is bet- better centrally not as a striker, but better centrally behind the the forwards. But he has played a lot on the right-hand side as well. So unless there's a very clear role for Nelson, like on the left, it's Martinelli, it's Trossard, potentially Smith-Rowe, where do the minutes come from? You know, consistent minutes for a player who's going to be, what, twenty four. Yeah. Is he twenty four? Yeah. He's already Yeah, he's gonna be twenty-four. Um it doesn't have his um in December. He's gonna be twenty-four in December.
2: Yeah, I mean I'll admit I've been slightly surprised all along that Reese has been so keen to stay at Arsenal. Um mm. I I think well I don't know the very latest on it, but you know, the last I'd heard. It was close, um, but as you say, the clock is ticking. And while it does happen that players go out of contract and then renew, it is atypical. That mm. that much is for certain. So that is an interesting one to keep an eye on over the next week and see if it, you know, it is tied up or not. Mm. Um, okay, because I yeah, I wonder like when a when a player moves on a free transfer or Bosman at the end of their contract. I think if the club has produced the player, there's sometimes a compensation fee attached. Sure. Would would Arsenal waive their rights to that if his contract was allowed to elapse? I don't know. There'll mm. be some interesting questions there. Um, I said I had a question about Declan Rice. You did.
1: i better do it. sitting here waiting for it the whole time. Uh, I love this question.
2: I love the ambition of it. It's from QuickThinks. Quick Thinks All Thoughts on Twitter. Okay. And they say with the Caicedo negotiations with Chelsea seemingly stalling, is there a chance we manage to wrap up rice and then go back in for Caicedo? Is there a chance?
1: It's another mm. hundred million quid, isn't it? It is. And oh, I, saw I think it. probably not. I think I mean, it's not impossible, but it'd be very difficult. I think it would depend on Thomas Partey. Yeah, I... I,
2: Listen, I don't see Arsenal doing both those deals. What I think is really fascinating is if they lose Rice, so if Declan Rice chooses Man City and City get a deal done with West Ham, have Arsenal taken their foot off on the get ga- foot off the gas with kaisado so much that a deal with him and with brighton is not retrievable at this stage can mm. they ask something arsenal have done really successfully when they've missed out on players is pivot can arsenal being so clearly in on rice and taking a bit of a back seat with kaisado could they pivot and uh become the Gazumpers themselves. Mm,
1: very interesting. I mean, I think the the thing to mention is that when we have pivoted, we've sort of pivoted in an easier direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where the Mudrick thing was so complicated and, and everything else. Then we went and got Trossard, who would obviously jump at the chance to sign for a club like Arsenal at 28 years of age, right? And the deal was relatively easy to do with with Brighton. Then we didn't get Caicedo, despite obviously having a, a fairly decent relationship with Brighton because we bought bought Trossard until and Ben until that White. Point. Until <laughs> that point. Then we went and fucked it um, with the Caicedo stuff, and then we pivoted to Jorginho, which again is a very easy deal to do. So we would need to not necessarily pivot upwards, but pivot on the same level rather than pivot down. But... But what?
2: Do you not think that in the same way that we would have to accept Rice choosing City because they've got a lot more going for them at this particular point? Not a lot more. They've got a bit more going for them at this point in time. Right. Do you not think we have much more going for us than Chelsea at this point in time? I mean, for one thing, said has always been insistent he wants to play Champions League football. Well, only one of those two teams is a Champions League club. Yes.
1: Yeah, like I think if it came down to a straight choice for the player between Arsenal and Chelsea, assuming that let's say you know uh, both clubs were able to convince both Brighton and the Brighton correspondent from the uh, the Athletic that the deal was good, yeah, uh, you know if if we got to that position, it came down to a straight shoot between um, you know us and them, and he's choosing. I think he would probably choose Arsenal. Because I think what's
2: really interesting about the situation with Rice is that I think there are clearly two outstanding players in this market um, for that position, right? I think Rice and Caicedo are the ones this summer. And then after that, I think you're into sort of compromised territory. Mm. Um, And at this point, Arsenal are very much in for Rice and not in for Caicedo. But I'm fascinated to sort of – well, I don't want to see because I want them to get their number one target. But if they lose Rice, I'll be really curious to see if they're able to revive things with Caicedo. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, as sad as I would be about Rice, it it would obviously be funny to exact some measure of revenge on
1: on Chelsea. Yeah. But as it stands – the chance of Rice and Caicedo, to me, is extremely slim.
2: Yes, and as it stands, there's a chance that Arsenal could sign neither of those players. Mm. You know, because City are in for Rice and that presents challenges, as discussed. And Chelsea are working on Caicedo. And, you know, we would be playing catch-up, but we might be doing it from a a, a strong position. Yeah, if assuming Brighton will talk to us,
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Someone send them a gift basket, please.
2: Listen, I'm sure for a hundred million, though, they will talk to people. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll talk to anyone. But the it price would be kind well. of fascinating, yeah. I, I because I think after those two, listen, there are lots of good players in the world, but I think, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think those are clearly the the top two. Sure, available sure Um,
1: the ones you would really have to fight for both in terms of a fee and competition from other clubs
2: yeah and also um if we do get neither of those players i'm not going on the internet for about a month
1: yeah i'm going to take I'm going to take a sabbatical.
2: I think you'll have to take the site down for a period of time while the internet just burns
1: yeah exactly. just come back and sift through the uh, sift through the charred remains of of the arsenal internet and see what's there. <laughs> Hello Is anyone here? Be- I knew it was the end times when
2: I logged on Twitter the other day. And Elliot from Arsenal Vision was the one sort of pleading for calm. I was like, "The apocalypse has arrived. <laughs> Everything's upside
1: down. It'll be uh, like um, it'll be like the road, the Cormac McCarthy book slash film. <laughs> we just have to push our cart of like occasional podcasts, uh, scavenging for food and looking yeah. out for cannibals, looking for
2: Arsenal fans, surviving yeah. Arsenal fans." Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, Oh, my hmm. goodness. Um, I don't know what else we have. Oh, actually, here's one. Here's one from Freddie LJ on the Discord. He said, how nice will it be to have a normal season? Hopefully no lockdowns, no mid-season World Cup. It's felt like a long time since we've had that.
2: Yeah, I know. Touch wood. That would be great. That would be great. Um, I even thought we might start the season with a home game, 3 p.m., that would have been lovely as well. Uh, I think we're at lunchtime, aren't we, on the, on the opening day. Is that
1: what it is, 12 o'clock? I think so.
2: Um, but, yes, normality. Touch wood, let's, let's hope it stays that way. Uh, that would be fantastic. Um,
1: and I think Mikel Arteta's due a normal season, isn't he? Do you ever consider the possibility that maybe Mikel Arteta is the catalyst for everything. He's the jinx. He's basically a big jinx. Possible, isn't it? Like, because, you know, I look at it, I think this young man making his way in the managerial world, the trials and tribulations that he's had to contend with, you know, from global pandemic to lockdown, football behind closed doors, you know, all, all the various things. I'm sure there's so many other things I've, I've forgotten. Um, but maybe it's him. Maybe it's just him. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Maybe this is the price of of his success, the deal he did at the crossroads with the devil to become the Arsenal manager one day. Yes, you can have that job, but look at what you're gonna to have to live with. I guess it
2: won't be a normal season if um Arsenal don't sign Rice or Caicedo and everything implodes, you know?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's it, it, true. It'll just
2: be kind of the rubble of the Emirates Stadium that they're playing in. <laughs> which would be a shame after all the work that's gone
1: into building up the atmosphere. Yeah. They just put the new stuff around the sides. It's looking oh. so good. Oh man. Uh, come on, Arsenal, get this Declan Rice deal done. You know, we, the internet, look, it's not great, but we prefer it the way it is than completely you know, ruined and burned down and apocalyptic. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Do you think Edu knows the responsibility he has towards the world wide web? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Edu. Do. It doesn't seem like something that would weigh heavy on him. I still think he'd be at the barbecue on the beers having a nice time.
1: That'd be it. Like, you know, literal fucking fire and brimstone <laughs> the everywhere. The world is burning
2: and, and Ed- Edu's grilling on it. <laughs>
1: Exactly, i has got a skewer, you know, uh, toasting mole meat on the fucking charred <laughs> remains of the internet be with a cigar yeah, and to be in honest, one hour. I respect that about him.
2: The man knows how to live, you know. Yeah, he yeah, seems yeah. to be having a great time.
1: Did I see um, pictures of him at Ascot?
2: Yeah, I believe so. In a top hat? <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure. These Brazilians, they know how to live. Honestly, he's having fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, maybe he's not too concerned about the things that we're all uh, worried about. Exactly. You know?
2: He's got access to more info. If he's at Ascot uh, having a lovely time, maybe we should take that as a good
1: sign. Wow. Here's <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just Googled uh, Edu uh, Ascot and I found mm. an article. From okay. Arsenal Insider, the Arsenal Insider website. Arsenal fans think Edu's wife has just dropped a big Declan Rice hint on Instagram. <laughs> Edu's Edu's wife posted a picture of a bowl of rice and curry, followed by another image of the Arsenal sporting director with a big smile on his face. Are you thinking what we're thinking? Wow. I mean who wouldn't want to burn down this internet (laughs) oh
2: man interesting well listen we'll find out if Arsenal and Sido have got that bang on in the coming days I imagine yes they can't keep West Ham waiting forever you know I'm sure that that they've enjoyed um, you know stringing it out but at some point an offer's going to land on their door uh, and it will all kick off again
1: All right. Well, the week ahead will tell us plenty, I'm sure, about um, not only the state of of Arsenal Football Club for next season, but the state of the world itself. Um, Let's hope it all gets done. Uh, We will have a new player podcast for you when the Kai Havertz announcement becomes official. That should be this week. So, uh, like I said, join us on Patreon for that. In the meantime, folks, take it easy, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.